You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 87, Talk About Upleveling to Luxury with Renee Sabo. Renee's lifelong love affair with weddings started out as a high school dream that quickly evolved as she pursued a career in the industry throughout college and beyond. From rentals to planning to catering, Renee's diverse experience has touched every corner of the wedding industry and has led to her role as a multifaceted thought leader for event professionals everywhere. Inspired to start her own business, Renee received her MBA with a focus in entrepreneurship and quickly put her degree to work when she launched Urban Soiree in 2017. Today, her award-winning company delivers elevated and romantic celebrations through full-service wedding planning and design for couples on the East Coast and destinations worldwide. Renee's success with Urban Soiree has earned her and her company numerous accolades, including being named as the Best of Boston 2020 Best IRL Wedding Planner by Boston Magazine. That's in real life, y'all. <laughs> She was also recognized as Aaliyah Boston's top planner in 2019 and has ranked in Wedding Wire's Couples Choice Awards for three consecutive years since opening her doors. When Renee isn't busy bringing her client's dreams to life, she's committed to providing quality education to the industry through her podcast, The Confetti Hour. P.S. I've been on that show. Go check it out where she shares insight and fosters candid conversations with experienced wedding creatives. Today, Renee is here with us to talk all about one of my favorite topics, y'all, luxury. I know a lot of you listening want to get into luxury weddings, but do you really know what that means? And do you really know if it's right for you? So Renee and Renee are going to talk it out for you today. Because we're talking about luxury, go grab some fancy drinks, go grab a champagne and some caviar, and we are going to talk it out. Let's go. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey, guess what? It's time for another Book More Weddings Summit. Y'all, if you listen to this show at all, you know that we love the Bookmore Wedding Summit. We have been involved in probably every single one of them at this point, but we are bringing you one more Bookmore Wedding Summit, and it's the perfect time to dive in before your schedules get crazy with weddings. Look, I know you want to attract more of your ideal clients and book more weddings so you can be more profitable and grow your wedding biz. So, you might be feeling a little stuck. You might be getting a lot of inquiries that don't pan out. I want you to come to the summit because the goal for this summit is different than most summits. You're going to learn how to book more weddings without it feeling like you're pulling teeth, and you'll learn from so many amazing experts. This event is specifically crafted for our wedding industry because we have different needs than other industries. We don't get a lot of repeat clients. We're selling luxury products and we're selling services to people who are brand new at buying what we're selling. For five days, May 17th through 21st, Heidi Thompson of Evolve Your Wedding Business is bringing you presentations from over 25 industry experts who have found ways to attract more ideal clients and book more weddings. You'll learn about everything from how to warm up your leads for a hot booking season, how to use Instagram to attract leads, Facebook, Google ads, and so much more. For example, I'm talking about Clubhouse, how to utilize Clubhouse to the best of your ability. And if you're not already on Clubhouse, y'all, get on Clubhouse. The best part of this summit is that it is totally free. So join me 
and some of my amazing educator friends like Alaya Harris, Bethel Nathan, Ashley Ebert. And we'll see you at the summit. You can get your free ticket at reneedallow.com forward slash book more weddings. That's reneedallow.com forward slash book more weddings. Sign up today and I will see you there. Now on with the show. Welcome, welcome, friends. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, Renee Dallow. But guess what? We have a bonus Renee today. My good friend, Renee Sabo, is here. Renee, how are you? Hi, Renee. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to be on your podcast, and I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> let's let's talk a minute about how we are confused for one another in our, in our yeah. industry. So I know. I don't think it helps our last names are both like four letters. I know we talk about this a lot, but it it's really confuses people. We do. There are many ways to spell Renee. You and I happen to spell it the same. And then our last yes. names are both four letters ending in O with an A. Like it's, it, I get it. I get that it is. And we're both brunette. Oh yeah. That yeah. So, help. so I get it. Um, I'm hoping that one day we will see each other in person. We will take a photo and be like, look, Renee Sabo, Renee Dallow, side by side. Or Sabo. I See, this is it. I just made a mistake. So let's let's set the record straight. People look yeah. at Dallow and they get confused because it looks like it should be Dalo, but it's Dallow. And you know, your last name oh. is pronounced Sabo. Yeah, you're right. I but you know I'm See? so used to hearing it the way you're probably the same way. People always say Sabo or Sabo. So I just at this point mm -hmm. I don't even I don't even think about it. But yeah, it's Sabo. So yeah, thank you. Right. And, <laughs> and, and Dallow. So as we say in like Dallow is my married name. And so when I was engaged to my husband, he said, are you going to change your name? And I said, yeah, I think so. My maiden name was Scotty. Very easy. Um, oh, yeah. He, he said, you might not. He goes, you might want to think twice about that because um, no one's going to be able to pronounce it. And I was like, that's ridiculous. It's Dallow. And he's like, just wait. And sure enough, it's been eight years. Yeah. And almost always I'm like, nope, not Dalo. There's no Y in it. Just yeah. Dallow. So Dalo, Dalo, Sabo, Sabo, here we are. Here we are. Here, you know what? But we are different Renees, although I don't mind people comparing me to you because I'm like, oh, thank you. What a compliment. Uh, but it's also like, hello, we're both Renees here. And you know what's right. funny about that? I have a friend whose last name, her married last name is uh, Diaz, but a lot of people say Diaz. So oh, I feel yeah. like it's common, you know? Yeah. Listen, we can all, we can just do the best we can. I'm happy when people get Renee right because every so often yeah. someone someone either calls me Rini or spells it with like a tremendous amount of N's like R E N. Doesn't that piss you off? And I'm like, yeah. I don't understand who, who is that? What is this name? So listen, we're yeah. all doing our best here, too. but my <laughs> the funniest thing was, um, there was an, this was like, not, not going to call out the brand who did it. Cause it's not about pointing fingers, but it was a funny moment. There was an email that was sent out announcing you as a speaker, but with my photo in it. Right. I, and, that ha yes, yes, yes. And I was like, and, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> and I got emails from like my team, my students being like, uh, are you going to Boston? And I was like, what? <laughs> like I, I hadn't seen the email. So I was getting like <laughs> communications about like, when are you going to Boston? And this was pre pandemic, obviously. And I was like, I'm not going to Boston question mark. Did I agree to go to Boston? Like, I <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> I, yeah. Because it yeah. was like, a, and it was a, an event that, 
is hosted, you know, here where yeah. I am in Boston. And maybe that's the easiest way for people to really remember until they get to know us, which I think it's like we have a lot of similarities. We're both event planners. Sure. I think we're both pretty extrovert. We both have podcasts. Yes. We don't yes. make it easy for people, really. We don't. We don't. <laughs> but we are very different in some other respects. And like, I'm like, maybe they'll remember like Boston Renee and then LA Renee. You know, it's like we're, yes. we're total West Coast, East Coast Renee's, you know? You know what? Um, I just realized this because I'm staring at our names on the recording platform. But yeah. S A B O Boston D A L O Los Angeles. Hello. Whoa. Okay. I actually love that. Look what we discovered for it's everyone's our, benefit. You guys get on board. It's in our names. Um. So, but we're not here to talk about just our names, which we could do an hour mm -hmm. on that, but we won't. We are here <laughs> to talk about luxury weddings, which. Come on, guys. I know you all, even if you say, I don't care about luxury, you're all curious. You all want to dive in on this. We are taking a candid look at the ins and outs of working with luxury clients because you all say you want them, but you don't necessarily know what that means, correct? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> it's just, we're going to be super honest. I think on my yeah. podcast, you said we're dropping Renee bombs, but that's uh. exactly what we plan to do. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're both here and it's Renee. So tell me your um tell me your experience in the luxury market. Tell me how you started out. Like where did you always do luxury or is this something you grew into? Yeah, it's so funny. I actually, I mean, I, ugh, I have such a long journey, so where do you even start? But what I will say is that I was actually started in the luxury market. And so it was actually normal to me. Uh, and by luxury market, I mean, what's luxury, consider luxury market here in Boston. And then I actually went to a venue and served a different market. And I was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't even realize how different sometimes this can feel and, uh, and how different clients are in different markets, right? And what's yes. important to them. Uh, and so I found very quickly that I didn't really like that volume based, uh, not as detailed uh, clientele. And I wanted to come back to the planning side, which is how I came back to my side of things. And I started my own company, but I primarily worked in the luxury market, but I did, you know, want to make sure that that's the route that I wanted to go. And so I've, I've had experience in all different markets and starting my business, I would say I've actually, you know, serviced like two to three different markets at this point. And I'm kind of now sitting in that like upper luxury level. So, which is great because you can, um, you can really articulate the differences between those. So tell me in yeah. Boston, what is, what is luxury and what is ultra luxury for you guys there? Yeah, definitely. I think, it's funny before we hopped on we were talking how i feel like it's a loaded question because there's a lot of sub markets sometimes too but to make it simple i would say that the luxury market here in boston is like 150,000 to 250 and then ultra luxury would be getting into like that 250 to or even 300 to half a million so yeah, that's that's the same in la yeah. anything is anything it? okay yeah anything under 150k is i consider premium and in la that's kind of typical question mark? yeah I mean, and a lot that's of kind of our sweet spot that. yeah right because people are like you work luxury and i'm like well technically i work premium with occasional luxury clients that's how i like to say it yeah i love that actually it's interesting because uh you know the first couple of years i i've been in business now i should say about four and a half years so when I first started, I was serving a clientele in the seventy-five thousand to ninety thousand dollar range, and I thought, "Sweet, this is luxury market," you know. Well, yeah. well here in <laughs> yeah. Boston, that's actually pretty standard. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I didn't have 
a lot of room for the custom elements, which I know we'll get into talking about what the luxury market looks like. But, you know, I didn't I didn't get a lot of flexibility with that because their budgets here, 75 to 90,000, it's completely spent. Most most wedding venues here to have food and beverage for 175 people, you're already looking at a $60,000 F&B and venue fee. So there's yeah. all your budget. Yep. <laughs> so it's it's, it's very, definitely very similar in LA. Yeah, yeah. I figured it would be. So that makes sense. So and, and I just want to pause on this for a minute because I can I already know that there are gonna be people listening who are like, these two are out of their friggin' minds. There is no <laughs> way that a hundred thousand isn't luxury. Because in some parts of the country, that absolutely is luxury. And we're not here right. to tell you it's not. We're saying it's going to be conditional based on where you are, but for what you're about to hear coming out of our mouths and our um, two opinions on this, we are really talking about those clients that are 150K plus. And then, and like we said, these subsets, that's luxury. And then there's also ultra luxury. And that ultra luxury game is completely different than luxury. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because I talk a lot about market segments in um, some of the other like podcasts that I've been on. And you know, it's, it's totally different ballgame in different areas. And even for me, I, I know, I don't know, Renee, if you service different areas than LA, but I, all, I have been branching into some destination work and even different destinations, luxury, ultra luxury and premium are totally different. So yeah, it's, I agree. I would say you have to figure out what those markets look like in your area, but either way, I hope what we talk about today will benefit you no matter, you know, what that looks like for your area. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the first thing I want to touch on, and this is the thing that I think most uh, wedding pros who are looking to up level, this is the first question they always ask. And I don't know that it's, it's the right first question, but because I know it's on their minds, I want to tackle it first is how do you break in? How do you market to luxury clients? <laughs> now, I have my opinion. I want to hear yours. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say too, actually, because I know I'm going to learn from you too. I'm excited. Uh, but basically, I get this question a lot too. And it's not a simple answer. I think that's what I would want people to know first is that that is a loaded, loaded question, a loaded topic. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about how the markets look different. You could be saying luxury, and I don't actually know if you mean, you know, it's the same luxury that I mean. But I would say that the simplest advice that I share with people if they want to break into the luxury market is to really learn what that means in their area and then maybe shadow or talk to people, providers that are already servicing clients in that luxury market that you want to be in. And of course, we're going to talk about how to market to them. But I think until you really understand what luxury means in the area, you're going to kind of miss the mark, you know, when it comes to marketing. I agree. And the thing that I... <laughs> that I hate to say, but it is 100% true in my experience, is that my luxury clients almost can't be marketed to because it's all referral. They only wanna work with people right. who already know their lifestyle, understand who they wanna work with, understand their standards. And in most cases, that is a direct referral. They don't want to work with someone they perceive, whether it's true or not, as an outsider. Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, when I, started this topic actually and, and started really putting my thoughts on paper with it. That was the first thing I said about this market is that it's not like a blanket type of marketing, you know, method that you can use. You know, it's more of an emotional marketing actually, because 
these events that they're planning are such big milestones for any client, right? But in the luxury market, they're investing quite a bit. And you can't just use a blanket, like tacky, like wedding marketing that goes out to everyone. You have to start talking about the personal details. And a lot of those personal details are going to be high end as well. And so it's just a natural thing, I think, that people don't realize. You have to kind of fit too in that, I guess. You do. And if I can briefly tell you the anecdotal story of how I got my first luxury client. So yeah, um, I would love to hear that. (laughs) Most everyone who listens knows I used to be an actor. And when you're an actor um, and you have actor friends, almost everyone has a substance job, right? They have something they're doing that pays the bills while they're auditioning. My best friend from college, who's been my best friend for years, uh, she became a private yoga instructor and she was the private teacher to Russell Crowe when he was in LA. So anytime Russell was here at his rented home, she would literally go every day and teach him yoga. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Right. And because of that relationship, she got a bunch more personal private clients in that same um, neighborhood of, of, of wealth, right? So one of the people she started working for was this family in Beverly Hills, family of producers. You would not know their names. But Russell said, oh, I have a girl who teaches yoga to me. She's great. Julie went over to that house. The matriarch of that family had her two adult daughters come to yoga however many times a week. And then her adult daughters have children, right? And one of her adult daughters was getting remarried and they needed a wedding planner. These are This is a family who had worked with Mindy Weiss in, the, in Mindy's early years in her oh, business. Oh, wow. And like, yeah just wanted to try someone new. So they said to their yoga, <laughs> to their private yoga teacher, do you know anyone who's, who, who's planning events right now? And Julie's like, oh, my best friend is a wedding planner. Like she can help you. That's how I got in with that family. I have since wow. done two weddings, a, a mitzvah. I won't do mitzvahs for anyone else, but this family and their fifth and their like 60th anniversary or some anniversary party. And then because right. of that family, I have done multiple smaller weddings, 80th birthday parties, 50th anniversaries. Like I I am like the, thankfully the person that they call, but I got that relationship through a friend who was also providing the luxury service. So Mm. it's not, I did not market to them. To be honest, they probably don't even know what my website looks like. They don't care. Right. It's that referral. I, I, all of my leads are referrals as well. And, you know, we were saying earlier that they, you know, a luxury clients looking for quality, reputable vendors and who that means a referral, right? Because they want to hear about the value and they want to hear about other people's experiences. And so if they hear, you know, book Renee, she is one of the best, like that's going to go a long way coming from someone else that has worked with them in the same, you know, luxury like space. So that's incredible though. What a story. (laughs) Right. And this was many years ago. And like, I, I, in a way I lucked into it, but in another way I was ready. Right. And we have, I want to talk about readiness for a minute or like, because I feel like so many people who are like, I just want to break into luxury. That's what I need. What they really are saying is that they want to work less for more money. And I get that. But working with luxury and ultra luxury clients, you have to understand where they shop, what they value, what they eat, what they drink, what you have to understand all of it. Because if you don't, if you're not speaking their language, they will sniff you out. The 80th birthday party that I did a few years ago, you know, the birthday girl, she was 80 years old, looked at me over brunch one day at her house. That's how we took every planning meeting was a brunch at her home and said, <laughs> and said, Renee, do you know what I really want for my birthday? I want that one cake at the Ivy. Now the Ivy is a very famous restaurant on Robertson Boulevard in Beverly Hills where all the celebrities go to have lunch. It's like 
um, anytime you see like a celebrity breakup back in the day, it was hap- it happened at the at the patio on the Ivy because <laughs> because paparazzi can take your photo there and like say oh, it's gotcha. a, it's very it's a very LA th- thing. But I right. didn't say what cake at the Ivy. I said, oh, you know what? I love that cake. That cake is delicious. Isn't the best? We go there just for the cake. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get you that yeah. cake. That cake is not available. You can't just, I had, I figured it out and I got the cake, but there was not that (laughs) moment of her having to explain to me what cake she meant. And I know that's a very specific example, but examples like that abound. You have to speak their language, which is why anytime someone says to me, some new planner says, I want to break into luxury. And this is going to sound very, like very shallow. I say, great. What kind of purse do you carry? What kind of car do you drive? Exactly. Because if you're and, carrying a Target person driving a Toyota, it's not going to align with them. You have to at least fake it till you make it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And at least just like you said, understanding their world and their and what you know makes sense because there is such a big disconnect if you don't. You know, so I'll be you know sitting in an invitation meeting, and if you don't know, you know, I guess this is what I can say about this to make it really simple. If you're sitting in a custom invitation meeting and you don't know that like what one ply versus two ply or what like the different inks are, you really shouldn't be in the luxury market because a client like that already orders stuff like that. So you shouldn't really be diving in and not be able to guide them on the service that they're expecting. And there's a lot of that out there online. I mean, it's it's easy for people to look on Instagram and see a pretty feed these days and think and, you know, a title in the bio, I'm a luxury planner, but I find often that they don't actually know what goes into a luxury event and they don't know how to educate their clients. And that is what sets a luxury client up for failure with them because they are frustrated. And that is like a big no-no with luxury clients. You know, they're hiring you to take this off their plate. They're used to outsourcing that, you know, they're used to that custom high-end experience. Well, they're used to having people do things for them. And and for the most part, they they don't necessarily need your advice, but if they've hired you, they want it. And exactly. similarly, like with food and drink. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I want to get into luxury, I'm going to tell you, go learn about wine, go learn about fine dining, learn how to comport yourself at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like understand the standards that they have, because if you're at a food tasting for your clients and you don't know how to pair the wine, they're going to notice that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Like even just working for a caterer so you can understand the way some of these parties work. You know, I have a a high-end floral designer here that I work with often and we go to a lot of the art shows or the jewelry openings, you know, like Cartier will be having an event and we, I mean, he gets invited at this point because he does all their flowers and I enjoy going. I run into all my clients. So it is interesting. And if you want to just start to absorb yourself into like their world, I mean, I think that I mean, unfortunately, you're going to come away with an expensive habit like I have, but <laughs> I'm like, yes. hey, honey, I want Cartier. He's like, great. <laughs> uh, but I think I already had that before all this. So, you know, that's always, it's off topic. But anyways, I'm just saying like we go to art galleries, we go to openings, we go to new restaurants because that's a lot of, A, it interests us. So we're like-minded with a lot of our couples anyways. Yes. But I will say that it's also education for me. Not every art gallery opening would be that interesting to me at first but when I go it's more interesting about who I meet in the room and just having a basic understanding of what they're talking about because a lot of my clients reference art during this design process it's been so helpful you know 
yes, a lot of my luxury clients reference art. They own art. I mean, my Beverly Hills yeah. family, they have, they have statues in their home. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and I didn't ask, oh, who's this? Like, I knew, I, well, in all honesty, the first time I was there, I snapped some photos yeah. and I researched because I was like, <laughs> I will not be caught out not knowing who these artists are. But right. it's also fashion. Like, my clients. So much what, about fashion. When yeah. I can identify who they're wearing, they're like, oh, she gets it. Like one of my yeah. clients who, who I love, she loves Cynthia Raleigh, the designer. And so do I. Um, right. And so we were at, a, this is years ago, we were at a meeting and I was like, girl, is that the new Cynthia Raleigh? And she's like, oh my God, it is. And I was like, oh, I want that. You know, like, and it's okay for me to express, like, I don't have it. I want it, but I knew right. it. And so we have the conversation and that's what they want. Like, it's almost yeah. like your skill set is secondary. It's, it's understood that you have it. What they're looking for is the understanding of their lives and, and, and how they, what they value yeah. and how they spend money. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you need to be the same people. I don't think that that's what we're saying, but just being able to understand and relate and not sit in a room and think it's a foreign language, I think is super important when it comes to serving a luxury client, because especially with them, they expect you to know what they're talking about because that's why they've hired you, you know? (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about the experience for luxury clients, because I I want to hear yeah. what you say about this because so much of uh, wedding planning conversations around client expectations and management seem to um, involve gifting, right? Everyone's always like, you have to gift your clients. You have to gift your clients. <laughs> How do you feel about that with your luxury clients? Because I have an opinion. I don't, I wonder if it's the same. You know, I, oh, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say then too. Uh, I, I do send a gift to my clients. I would say it depends on the client and it's a little more custom and it isn't so because I want a system and sales process. It's not like a, because they did this, now they get this gift, you know, it's, it's because I really get to know them. And I do send a welcome gift because I, I like kicking it off, but I, I use a custom gift box designer here. Uh, I can shout them out Lux box. They're wonderful. And they do uh, all the U S and even international, I think, uh, but they customize the notes for me and they customize the gifts for me. And so for every client, I'm picking up things as I'm talking to them and, you know, I'll just like have them add something that I think the bride would like, you know, maybe we talked about this, uh, you know, I have an obsession with very expensive coffee, which I never thought even <laughs> coffee was expensive, but I yes. am a coffee snob and I bond with my clients on that a lot. And so sometimes Love I'll that. send them one of my favorite brands or it's just, it's, I think the biggest thing is a custom experience. So I don't know if that's in line with what you were going to say. I'd love to hear what you think on that though. <laughs> so my, um, my experience with gifting luxury clients is that they don't freaking care about it. Like they can afford to get whatever they want for themselves. So your $20 candle that's means nothing. Too. and giving them anything with your business logo on it is a huge no, no. So yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah. The gifting experience <laughs> for, um, uh, you know, a, a premium client is different than a gifting experience for a luxury client. My belief, because I've seen it in action is that my luxury clients would rather me just be very professional and like a little pit bull for them and, you know, like get rid of the things they don't want to do. Then they want me to gift them like a water bottle. They don't care. <laughs> oh yeah. I agree with that completely. And and that's what I mean by like, if I do send a gift, it's not like I did it to everyone. It's just because maybe that client, we had a cool conversation about it. Right. And so I wanted them to try this, you know, 
coffee, you know, I just don't believe in like blanket things because right. that doesn't fit for a luxury client. You know, they right, like, and think about it when we get all that stuff, Renee, I mean, and not to damper on vendors that are so sweet and they send us things, but even me sometimes I'm like, what am I going to do with this like pen that doesn't, I that has a logo on it that doesn't work. I guess that's a bad example. Everyone can use a no, pen. I know what you but mean though. Because I get some weird stuff, you know? Yeah. For, for me, I always, um, of course, and I know you do too. I love the gesture of a gift, but yeah. I am not someone who likes a lot of tchotchkes or like stuff. Yes. I don't like, I, I like my stuff. I like to pick my own stuff. I like it to be the quality <laughs> that I like. So I think you and I are aligned in that. It's not like, I love all the presents and I, and I welcome them and I'm thankful for them, but I don't right. always, um, they don't always get used by me is what I'll say. Yeah. Same. I'm usually like, here's my husband's one little room that he has. Do you want this candle? Because the candles that I like, I'm very picky. You know, me too. I have an ex <laughs> I have an, a, a very expensive candle habit. Me yeah. too, Renee. Yeah. We See, now we are too similar. <laughs> I know people can be like, I, I can't know. tell part. And it's like I'm not trying to judge. This is a really no, not at all. Gift. Yeah, but and of course, like I'm so grateful for that. Of course, but like I think about that when it comes to my clients. Do they want more gadgets? My luxury clients don't they're likely buying hundred dollar candles like my new obsession so you know it's 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 a nice gesture when it works but i don't think that that means it's going to get you another referral or that that's what's going to stand out in the process I, I actually think that often gets you know forgotten as soon as it gets sent so or they Agreed. receive it and that yeah. and that was my experience i would send i'd, I'd send something and expect to get some kind of feedback and then nothing would happen and i'd be like oh did they not like it and it's not that they didn't yeah. like it it just didn't make a mark and so why did i if i'm ha if i'm especially on a limited marketing budget that's not how i'm going to use that i also right. would say for my for my luxury clients like i would rather i don't know if this is true for you and this is also pre-pandemic but every single me meeting i've ever had with a luxury client took place on their turf we were always yeah. in their house in, in their house in their estate uh, in their and at their country club like it was always and so i would then bring if it was appropriate like i would bring like you know from the jewish bakery like the best the best pastries i would yeah. always show up with something so they were getting right. gifts but it was more in the spirit of hospitality than it was like here here's a notebook with our logo on it yeah oh i love that you said that because that's that's exactly what i mean you know like i would show up you know, with like the coffee that my bride and I were talking about at our meeting, or um, I often bring a bottle of champagne for them because, you know, it's what, we're supposed to be having a little bit of fun, but usually yes. I am going to their houses or um, if we are out, say like if, if it's at, you know, one of the high-end hotels and that's where we're working, you know, I usually treat them already having the champagne waiting for them when they arrive so that yes. it, it's just part of the fun. I will say that I never expect the thank you because again, this is normal. You know what yeah. I mean? So yes. um, I hear that a lot, actually. Vendors always say, you know, I send these gifts, but no one ever says anything. I, I actually just got a thank you card for a gift I sent to a client the other day. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I did not expect <laughs> that at all. It was yeah. so sweet. I was like, wow, that's really nice. But she just must be that type of person. She's like a thank you card person, you know? Yes, uh, yes, yes. But yeah, you don't really, you shouldn't ever expect anything. I think is if you're confident, in the way that you're serving them and the custom experience you're giving. I think that like those thoughtfulness that all comes back to you and referrals and the way they're experiencing the whole process with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's all about referrals. I don't get a lot of like validation from like a thank you for this, you know, Prosecco toast. It's like, meh. <laughs> you no. know, I just want them to be happy in general. And also let's talk about this for a sec. My experience with the luxury market is that they also will not leave you a review. 
Yes, I do not have a ton of reviews, actually. Uh, some of my brides will, uh, some of my couples, I mean, and it's rare, though. You know, I, I don't ever post like I've won the wedding wire or the knot thing. That's not really something that works for my market. Yeah, Again, it's care. just, it's all about referrals. It's about building up those partnerships. And I don't actually have a high marketing budget because it all is referral based. And that. so I guess, yeah, people are probably like, well, how do you even break in? But, you know, <laughs> I think I think the biggest thing to remember is that these partnerships take time. You don't want to dive into a market that you're not familiar with yet. But there is a way to steadily get to that point. I mean, both you and I have done that. So yeah. we're living proof. You can do it. Um, yes. But you just really do need to understand what you're getting yourself into and if it is what you want, because there's also other caveats to it. Right. So. Um, my clients are extremely private. They, I have to be very careful about what I market and share with the world. And the things that I do talk about in my process or with my marketing are more about, it's funny, you have to make it personal, but you can't be too personal and give away like who they are. Right, <laughs> so, you can't be specific. <laughs> yeah, I can say like we picked this pattern because, you know, the couple... The, the groom grew up going, you know, to their grandmother's house on the Cape and, you know, it was really fond. They used to garden together. You know, I can say things like that, but I can never say like, you know, Mike and, you know, Alyssa, I'm just throwing out names, you know, grew up on the Cape on, going to Chatham where their grandma lives. Like you could never say that. And right. I think you find that a lot of people in the luxury market, they talk more about the personal details than they do about the client's names or anything like that themselves totally and then there there i have full weddings that will never be shown that can never yeah. be shown and oh, i know and that's always interesting too because like so the, if the, those are like the luxury peeps and then we have the premium peeps getting married at the same venue and they're like have you done a wedding here and i'm like i've done three but i can't show you any of them <laughs> right right i have a lot of those too and it's so hard it's so hard, isn't it? Because you're it's like, hard, I yeah. want to blast this all over my website. But, you know, it's funny because when you're talking to a luxury client, though, if they hear you've worked there and they know that you can't show the images, that means that, you, you know, you have, you have a clientele and you're doing what that clientele wanted. You're so respectful of them. And so that's exactly my point is being respectful of their privacy is really important and it's okay to talk about the fact that you did a wedding there but maybe you just can't plaster it all over and i think a lot of people hope to do luxury like luxury events and they don't think about the fact that they may not have the portfolio of it <laughs> well right and so much of it is about discretion and um and that's hard that's hard especially for someone building a business because you want to shout out you want that wedding in people magazine but only a very small percentage of actual luxury weddings end up in any magazine or any publication. So yeah. that's something to consider too, when you're thinking, I want to jump into luxury. It's like so much of your day-to-day -day business will change. And as far as marketing, because the things that you've relied on to get yourself to that place won't be in play for you anymore. Right. And, and I'm dealing with luxury clients that they aren't celebrities by any means, but they're, families are well-respected in the community and they don't want to be, I guess, what's the term? Like they don't want to be showy They, you know, what's yes. ironic is, and, and maybe you see, maybe that's a, I don't know on the West coast, maybe it's different, but you know, I don't think that people like to be showy, but they expect a high level of guest experience and they expect, you know, everything to 
be quality, but that doesn't mean they want it plastered all over the internet. In fact, it's the opposite, it's you the know? Opposite. And I think we're going to mm -hmm. see even more of that when we are getting back to weddings post COVID, because there's going to be that another level of um, like in the last recession, there's going to be yes. that level of like, well, we don't want to be ostentatious. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be boastful, but we, but we still want to treat our guests well. And like we did a, we did a private event um, a few months ago at the end of someone's estate. And it was just a dinner for 20, 20 guests, but it was like an eight course meal. And that's yeah. the kind of, and those are the things that I can't ever show. Right. But but the experience, it was all about the guest experience and all about these particular, you know, people being together for this, for this moment. And I don't know, you, it's, you can't really, yeah. it's hard to quantify like to someone who doesn't, who doesn't do these yet or understand it, but it's like, it, it's far more about the experience than it is about the photo shoot aspect of it. And I, and that is mm -hmm. a difference that I see in the true luxury client versus like the premium client, the premium client, like wants to be in Martha Stewart weddings. Exactly. And, yeah. and that, that was another thing I was going to say is, you know, a true luxury client, they don't want the same weddings that are in Style Me Pretty or, no. or things like that. In fact, I wouldn't even bother showing them photos on those blogs. I mean, maybe like a couple if I'm getting really specific with an example and a design plan. Uh, but they want ideas on what they're how you're going to bring their personal vision to life like they don't want to look at other people's things they're very big on custom and originality and you know making it personal uh and, and i know those words are used a lot in the industry you see it all over you know i see a bunch of different awesome stationers that serve different markets all of them say they do custom design they don't though I, if you really look at it they don't right. they you know they have maybe some certain elements that are custom, but like a true, you know, custom experience is an artist creating like maybe the calligraphy that's used as their spot calligraphy going into their invitation. But people don't know all of that unless you have experience working for someone else in this, you know, luxury market. So I didn't learn yeah. any of that on my own. I, I worked for two other luxury wedding planners and I had to, or I had to grow markets and, and learn things, you know, our way. But I, I really think, you know, going back to that first question you asked, like, how do I become in the luxury market? It's such a loaded question. Like you need to go get experience and right, right. shadow. And, and, and yeah. you have to educate yourself as well, because as you're talking, what I'm hearing right. is like, what, what luxury clients are hiring us for is not necessarily the labor, which of course they, they assume what they're hiring us for are our brains, our creativity, and the ability to create something. Right. And mm -hmm. If you feel like any of those things that I just said, if you got like a little tingle in your belly where you're like, oh, I don't know, then that's the development that needs to happen. Self-development needs to happen first. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have a lot of really great fellow planner friends here in New England who they are serving like that premium market and they love being in that market because it's just enough work for them that's custom. It's not... The level of custom that I get into, which is what we've you know been talking. I mean, the bride might see a drape hanging on a window she likes at a hotel, and now I look at me. I got to go find where that fabric is. So, right. you know, there for some people there is beauty. I don't think the goal should always be to jump in the luxury market. I think I everything is just like what's a good fit for you. For me, that's a really good fit. I really love finding that drape. I will literally not sleep until 2 a.m. until I find that and turn it into a linen and lots of Ola hates me, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> my friends that are in the premium market here, they hate that. They're like, Renee, why is this bride emailing you 
on a Saturday about, you know, a drape that should be a linen. And to me, I'm like, oh, that's so fun, you know? And yes. so I just don't think there's any right or wrong market and people shouldn't think that luxury is always the goal because I will right. say there's some people that claim they serve the luxury market. And even I, as a planner, have worked with them and I was pretty shocked. Like, I don't think they should be advertising that they're in the luxury market. I think that they are in the more like premium or standard market, which in Boston premium is standard. So, you know, they, it's a very different ball game uh, and it's not for everyone and that's okay. So, yes, I a hundred percent to everything you just said. And also, can I add, (laughs) I'd like us all as an industry to get a little more specific with our goals. So, so many people say they have the goal of luxury, but they really mean they have the goal of premium and that's fine. Like that's more than fine. That's, that's suggested because there's not that many luxury clients, y'all. There's not that many in the 1% who are, it's not enough business, right? There's more business in the standard and premium. If what you mean is you're currently standard and you want to go premium, well, that's an easy hill to climb. The luxury to ultra luxury is a, is a different ball game. (laughs) It's a lifelong journey as I am feeling and finding. (laughs) Um, and for me, it really it's, it, you know, when I determined what that looked like for me, I was like, oh boy, I guess I am that person. So I know that this is a lifelong thing for me because I have to feel satisfied with what I'm working on. And I get a little complacent sometimes uh, if I'm doing the same venue and the same design and the same look. And the reason I enjoy working with my luxury clients is because they have so much creativity and they love those personal details. I mean, there's no detail that is too small. In fact, like they care the most about those small details, right? So like I talk about the edging on a, the gold edging on an invitation. I will already talk about that for a half hour with a client. And if you don't like that, <laughs> then you probably shouldn't be in the luxury market. Right, um, but, but, that's, I, yeah. but that's their expectation that you will talk about it for 30 minutes and not say, oh, no one's gonna notice that, don't worry. Right. Well, no, we like geek out about it. You know, we right. have a joint interest in those little details. And, you know, another example I get, I, I give, you know, the food and beverage, you talk about like that eight course party. That is so fun. And that is a huge you know, thing when it comes to guest experience, like the food and beverage. And so like, I think a luxury client's always looking for us to kind of push the, you know, trends with that and go above and beyond because they're used to dining at fine dining restaurants and, getting to experience that. So, you know, if a father wants a vintage red wine and, you know, it's very special to him, you you should make it happen, have it behind the bar. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm doing that they don't even realize until closer to the wedding because we don't talk as much. They they just want the updates and to know everything's moving and that I got the concept and then they want to be wowed, you know? So they like another example I have is one of my clients, they talked a lot about how they love that having date nights at this restaurant here in Boston. They love the chips, which is so funny because that's like free. Like, you know, you don't even pay for them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I had the caterer actually replicate for their tasting, you know, what these chips were, which are like a little bit of salt and vinegar. And they're similar um, with like a little lobster roll. And they were dying. They thought it was so fun. And it, it's just those little touches, you know, that I think they really appreciate. And, you know, I could have brought it in. I could have offered that. We did look into quoting for that. And, you know, those are the things they want to talk about. So we had like a whole hour conversation about the chips that are free at this restaurant. (laughs) But that's the surprise and delight that a luxury client expects. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think custom, 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 and not just custom though, to be custom, like quality custom. And 
right. it, that comes in all shapes and forms, like from the menu to even the DJs, you know, my, like if I do work with a DJ, they're going to be a high end DJ where they're likely creating mashups and really getting to know the client and their personalities and what they like. Uh, again, not spending hours of their time with the client, but just from that initial conversation, they have this talent that they can just pick up on it and they're creating mashups of that. It's not just like they're switching songs, you know, like they're really right. getting to know these. It's a tailored experience, I would say. I I totally agree. And I just want to highlight something that you said that I want to make sure our people listening who aspire to the luxury market understood that you said. Mm. You, you said that you under you brief with the client and you understand the direction the event is going. And then you really don't talk to them that much, which I think will surprise people <laughs> who are working in standard and even premium that you don't get micromanaged by these couples. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, of course, at the beginning, there's a little bit of like excitement, but once they understand you've got it, like you've got it, you don't, yeah, no micromanaging here. I don't typically allow that either. So. Right. And I think that's what makes luxury seem like the the big goal because they people don't want to be micromanaged. But in that relationship, you as the planner, you have to have um, a bunch of things in check, which is your processes, your confidence, your knowledge. Like that doesn't come for nothing <laughs> is what I mean. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a balance in, in understanding that not only are they looking for the right team to just hand their event off to, you know, they want someone who gets them. and they, you know, they just, they don't need to know all the nitty gritties. Like, I don't need to say, you know, I'm sourcing this catering contract. The first revision came back, so I'm updating it. Like, they really don't care. In fact, I don't care. Well, I, I've hired other services, too, that are similar to mine for, you know, like, we hired an interior designer, which for me, I was like, oh, how much is this going to be? And I'm like, wow, this is, must be what my clients feel. But yeah. I didn't really think about it, actually. All I thought about was how relieved I was to have the value of someone picking things out for me because I'm so busy with my job that I don't have time to do that. And I just need it to feel good. You know, I'm spending 12 hour days in this space. I just want you to do it. Right. Yes. Uh, and so it was, it was kind of a funny experience for me to be on the other side. Cause I'm like, Oh, this must be what my clients experience with me. <laughs> They're like, yes. please take it. I don't actually need to know five rugs. I just want you to pick <laughs> like one. Right. Please. Just give, just give me the, the two that you like. So, yeah. Uh, this is something we talked about before we recorded, but I want to make sure we get it on a recording is that we talked about the relative, um, the language that we use around like something that is affordable or cheap or high end, or like we use these sort of, I think, very vague terminology for things. And you said that you wish you, what did you say about your husband? You, your husband wishes you thought oh. in, in dollars, not hundreds or thousands. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think in thousands and my husband wishes I thought in like dollars. Uh, so, I mean, I think you could get even behind hundreds at this point, but I really do think in thousands, you know, like for me to shock me with a bill, like, for instance, we fight a lot about landscaping, because I just why would I do that like a I can't <laughs> b that's hilarious um uh, if you want someone quality you're gonna have to pay for it right? right I mean I think that you could find someone in the middle tier or whatever uh but he'll say that is crazy expensive that our grass mode every two weeks like five hundred dollars I'm like really like I thought that was cheap so I just think in thousands and he thinks in hundreds but he's also in finance so he's a bad example but but, but I also <laughs> think that is that is a difference in mindset between a luxury client and a premium client because I will tell you my luxury clients pay bills without pausing yeah. they don't there is oh, no yeah. there's no like 
of course, now most of my luxury clients have other people handling their bills, but there's not a lot of hemming and hawing over the cost of a fork, right? It is what it is. And and as long as it's <laughs> under whatever their preconceived version of this is too, I don't, I don't value this as much to pay this much for it, it's fine. And so, and I also feel like now that I'm working with higher end clients, I feel like my brain has also aligned in that as well. Where like, you can hand me, yeah, I don't know, like we'll go out to dinner and get a, a bill that's several hundred dollars. And I'm like, eh, cost what it costs. And like, my husband's <laughs> yeah. like, what? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's obviously pre pandemic. I'm like, well, did you enjoy the meal? Yes. Well, then it's fine. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know? like, I, you know, oh, I have so many thoughts about this one too. I like, you never go in to a di restaurant and tell them what their meal should be priced. You enjoyed the experience. You thought it was worthy of that fee and you paid it. Do, yep. Were you like, oh, I ordered a few too many glass of wines? Probably. That's what happens when you go out. Sure. Uh, but yeah, but my husband would also say the same thing as yours. <laughs> yeah. Thank thankfully we're married to more practical, practically minded financial people. But but I, yeah, really, it does I do help. think <laughs> but I do think like saying something is expensive or cheap or it's all relative. Like in order to shock me with a price, it's probably like I don't know, several thousand dollars as opposed to like several hundred, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And even for me, I'm not living the same lifestyle as some of my clients. No. For sure. I mean, I sometimes think I am. And then, you know, my husband brings me back to reality. Uh, but it's just I understand that this is what the world how the world works and how, how things cost. And so it isn't really a surprise. And uh, kind of like what you said, my clients, you know, yesterday, I, I told one of my clients, we'd only seen one revision of a cater. And I just said to them, really need to just lock them in for the date. And so you need to send your $48,000 deposit out tomorrow. And they sent it out. There's no question because they understand the way business works. They're used to hiring professionals like us. And yep. honestly, it is a perk of working in the luxury market. That being said, it comes with a lot of responsibility, the budgets that we're managing. And, you know, you have to be able to handle that too. So I don't ever really talk about numbers with my clients, except at the beginning, we go through a budget uh, and they just expect me to cut to make sure we're staying in line with the range. Um, something I try to do with budget too with my luxury clients is keep it open ended because it's so hard to gauge if they're going to spend twelve thousand on rentals or if they're going to spend you know seven thousand or ten or whatever. It's really hard. So I do like a pretty wide range, and sometimes you know they'll ask me maybe once at the beginning, but other than that, they don't they don't really need to know the nitty gritty. They just need to know that I'm tracking it and that I've got it, you know? Yes. Um, and, and it allows the process to grow a little because it is really tough for us to get narrowed down until we know what their preferences and their style is and, and what they want the experience to be for their guests. And so that's what I say to them is, you know, this is about where I'm thinking, but honestly, it could be much higher. It could be much lower. <laughs> so it really depends on what you pick out. <laughs> right. And normally there's not a stress level there because they do know that it ultimately is up to them like everything else. Yeah. There's really not a question about it. You know, that's, that's like anything in life. You know, if you pick out something, when you go to a store, you know, you're like, oh, this sweater was more expensive than I thought, but that's what it costs, you know? <laughs> so you right. just roll with it. Yeah. So I could talk to you about this for several more hours, but we can't I do know, that to the I listeners. Know. So for some, I'm like, how has it already been this long? I know. <laughs> I love it. So for everyone listening, and, and if you are thinking about jumping into a different um, level, so say you're standard, you want premium, you're premium, you want luxury. Renee, what is your advice for people in as much as you know, starting out that journey of, of up-leveling? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, start on the journey, get, get experience, roll up your sleeves. Don't feel silly 
you know, hiring a business coach or a mentor to help guide you if you are looking to shift markets or, you know, even working as an associate on a high end planners, you know, event or another, say you're a DJ, like work for another DJ. Like, I think there really is beauty in getting hands-on experience. Um, but in addition to that, I would say the biggest advice I could say is that don't be someone that leads with ego because that's also not what being in the luxury market is about. It's about a high level of service and it's about caring about your clients, you know, so much on a level that you can make it so personal. And so I just, I see a lot of times people want to be in the luxury market and it's almost like their ego that they're stroking. I would say that that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, I, I think you should want to be in the luxury market because you want to serve that client and that you want your creativity and be able to lead with like that passion and, and care for the client and, and experience. So Agreed. that's my best advice. Yeah. 100% co-sign everything you said. I just want to leave <laughs> one last one last note. Um and this is I my own personal my own personal belief, but um if you are calling yourself a luxury planner, you're probably oh, yes. not a luxury planner. Oh, I'm so happy. I, and this is why honestly Renee, this is why I love your podcast and I love you and this is how we got to know each other cuz you just are so honest and it's so helpful. Like I wish someone had said that to me at the beginning of my career. I mean, do you call yourself a luxury planner? No. I don't actually, either. <laughs> it's I've been cringing actually saying luxury as much as we had this uh yes. episode because I never actually say the word luxury. No. Um I I talk a lot about quality with my clients. Yeah. Quality is a big big word uh but yeah i'm not a luxury planner i'm I'm very full service i say i'm highly detailed you know i want the process to be seamless but i would never say to my clients i'm a luxury wedding planner i, I actually like cringe thinking about it <laughs> i i'm with you like good we use, good ad <laughs> yeah we use highly customized highly personalized high touch we use those words but i would never i never i can't i'm like literally like inside i feel so like oh right now thinking about telling my Beverly Hills family that I'm like a luxury planner for them. Like they'd be like, yeah. no, you're not. You're just, you're just for us. Like they, cause they yeah. don't see themselves that way in a, you know, right. Like they're not exactly. walking around being like, I'm so luxury. It just is. Yeah. It's a fact. I do think that rich people are way more modest than people think. You know, they're some of the kindest families I work for. Yeah. And while they, we speak a similar language in respect to, you know, like they don't, blink an eye when I say that catering is 80,000 here. That's, which is yeah. great because that's what it is. I'm just literally stating the facts. Right. <laughs> like that's what this is, but they're just, they're so down to earth and you know, they protect their investment, but they also understand the value of things. So yeah, I, I think that it's a alarming concern to people if they are like, we're in the luxury market, we're the luxury planner, we do luxury events. I, I have seen it used tastefully, but I would say never with my title, you know? Yeah, never with the title. And, and and that's why I said you're most likely not. I mean, listen, David Tutera is branded yeah. as a luxury planner. And is he? Absolutely. <laughs> but he also had a TV show. And that's where that came from. Before the TV show, David wasn't running around LA yelling about how he was a luxury planner. It's just not, right. not true. Mindy doesn't call herself a luxury planner either. No, no. I mean, the only time I've ever seen it where I feel like, oh, yeah, that makes sense is like I've seen a couple stationers put that it, again, they don't say they're a luxury stationer, though. They say that they provide uh, luxe product, like luxe yeah. stationery, you know, or elevated yeah. or, you know, the, I've, I've heard the term use luxury, but not, not correlating to like who we are, you know, exactly. I think that's, it's a little bold and it's not really 
true, you know? <laughs> it also just feels like someone wearing a costume when I hear them say it. Uh, when If someone says, I'm a luxury wedding planner, I immediately go look at their Instagram. I'm like, are you though? Or do you yeah. just, or did you just buy a fancy purse and you want us to believe that you are? And listen, again, fake it till you make it on some level, right? Like there's right. a part of me that wants everyone who wants to work in luxury, I want you to save for that Louis Vuitton because then you'll understand mm -hmm. what it is to buy something of that of that value, right? You'll understand about like the exchange of that yeah. money for that item. That is a powerful exchange. But if you're not there, you're not there. And there's no point in, in mm -hmm. carrying around a Target purse, calling yourself luxury. It doesn't work. It's not authentic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think there is something, it's a journey and it's actually really great. Like if people do want to get into the luxury market, for me, it, it was an enjoyable process, you know, like I've yeah. worked for so many different planners and I really liked learning about, you know, the markets I wanted to be in. And like I said, it's not for everyone, but for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I love this. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, learning about art. Darn it. I think in thousands now. Yeah. <laughs> But also, like, I agree with you, like, learning about fine art and high fashion and food and wine and jewelry. And like, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it's a whole other world that if you're not, if you weren't born into it, and you don't know it as your everyday, it really is. And I don't mean like, I guess when I say that, I don't mean like Housewives of Beverly Hills level of that, right. that kind of like ostentatious wealth. I mean, like legitimate wealth, like go, go to art. Like you said, go to those gallery openings, go mm -hmm. to the jewelry uh, openings, like put, I mean, when you yeah. can after COVID, but like put yourself in those <laughs> environments because that is how you will meet the right people. And that is how you will get the referral that will start the journey for you. Because really what you need is someone to hold the door open, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely was not there. I mean, my childhood, I am from Ohio. I grew up in a very modest family. My husband educated me recently, though, that I did have a pretty cushioned lifestyle and I didn't understand because living here in Boston is so different. Uh, so he was like, I don't know why you keep saying that. And I'm like, yeah, I lived in a very middle class, like upbringing, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me here in Boston, I was like, wow, I'm, I lived in poverty. <laughs> Like, I was like, wow, right? you know, and that's just not true either. And so I guess getting into this world, I also think like kind of staying true to yourself too. Like while I do value certain high end designers, I'm never going to be the person that has that giant closet, you know, but right. I do enjoy this line of work. Like, right. I mean, maybe I would be great. Maybe we'll both be celebrity planners Ooh. one day. Who knows? Oh, I, but you know, it's interesting earlier. We were talking about that too, is I don't know if I want to be in that upper tier of like a Mindy Weiss, like, or a David Tatura. I don't, right. I don't know if that's for me. So right. it is interesting. Like it's not just people that want to get into the luxury market, but luxury planners like us think often about getting into the ultra luxury world. Well, yeah. I mean, and listen, if you're listening, you're like, what, what ultra luxury go follow Marcy Blum yeah. out of New York, follow Kristen Banta mm -hmm. out of LA, follow Mindy even, but like Marcy Blum is doing weddings at castles in Europe. Like that's some ultra luxury shit yeah. right there. Like that's who it you want to follow. Yeah. And the reason I don't know if that's where I want to go is because that is a whole nother clientele. Uh, sometimes you don't even know the client. Sometimes yeah. you're just working with their assistant and that level of production 
I mean, I could see Renee, you doing something like that amazingly. I'm sure you have projects like that. And I just, I don't know if that's for me yet. I, again, I don't think I'm there. Mm-hmm. It could be something I want to grow into, but I need a little more experience where I'm at and I'm, I'm comfortable in my luxury bubble, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I haven't, looks, I yeah. haven't done that ultra high luxury. It, it freaks me out, honestly, like traveling to Europe does, to a castle yeah. to work with produ- producers that I don't know. Like it's a, it's another level of, um, I think you need to have a bigger team. Yeah. It's a whole other thing. Exactly. But it's a production, it's a production, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are people doing it and doing it excellently well. And just please go follow all those people we mentioned. I'll link to them in the show notes. This is a yeah. conversation that is obviously multi-layered, and I don't want it to come across as though we have. <laughs> Sorry, yes, no, no, long. no. I, listen, I knew this was going to be a long one. Um, I don't want it to come across <laughs> as, um, as especially with me for everything I've said um, this last hour. I don't want it to come across like I'm discouraging anyone from trying to up level. I just think we need to be realistic about what an up level means. And I also mm-hmm. want to just encourage that it's not always about your skill level or or anything. It's literally like, who are you and who do you want to become to do this work? Because, yeah. because it does end up becoming, even like we said, in joking way, like, yeah, I'm probably never going to have a closet full of like Dolce & Gabbana, but I can recognize it mm-hmm. when I see it. And that's the, yeah. and that's the me, that's who I am like authentically. And I'm like you, I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn. We had no money, single mom. But then when I was in high school, my mother moved us to a really expensive community on Long Island and I had to learn some stuff fast. Mm. So I grew up surrounded by wealth in that high school experience, although we did not have any wealth. I I saw it. I experienced (laughs) it through my friends and these, and, and I saw these, I mean, one of my friends had a freaking mansion we'd go hang out after school. And I'm like, this is weird. But I also saw how her family behaved and what they spent money on. And I, I kind of studied them in a way now that I look back on it. Yeah. And if, no, I do too. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it is. It's study. It's, it's research. And then at some level, it's going to be like blind confidence, right? <laughs> yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Some, there is a lot of faking it. till you make it, I think as long as you know, that's where you want to go and, and that this is the right fit for you. I think that there's always some of that, you know what I mean? Like even with my podcast starting, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then now I feel so much more confident with it, you know? So, um, but I love that story actually, Renee, because I remember sitting in grad school with some of my friends and they all have trust funds and (laughs) I had to, I had to Google what a trust fund was. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I remember that. I was like, oh. I remember in high school coming home from being at my friend Catherine's house, and my mom was like, How was your afternoon? And I said, Mom, what's a trust fund? And she was like, How, what do you need to know this for? And I was like, Because Catherine said that she's not getting hers till she's 18, and I want to know when I get mine. Because I thought everybody had one. The way she was making it sound as though everyone had one. And my mom burst out laughing and was like, uh, no, eat your hamburger helper. There is no trust fund here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I think I had a similar uh, conversation with my mom too. And what's really funny is now my parents did set up a trust for us because we are a family business and they want to retire. And so it was actually really cool going through that process with them as an adult and very kind of them to put us in their trust and will and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I was like, wait, am I a princess now? Yes. Like, Do I get a trust? Sure. And my mom's like, no, again, Renee, still, you're, you're no one. So just stop. <laughs> I was like, I thought I was getting a trust. Oh, I love <laughs> like, it. It's not, it's not what you think it is. You know? so, I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so it's funny. funny. Well, on that, on that <laughs> note, I think we need to put a bow on this. Renee, where can yeah. people find End you? End it on a light note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? 
Yes, you can find me over on Instagram at urban underscore soiree, or you can find me on my podcast Instagram handle, which is at the confetti hour and the same on Facebook. And then website is urban soiree or the confetti hour.com. <laughs> Thank you, Bernice, so much for having me. I just, I love your podcast. I love you. Uh, this was such a fun combo. So. Same girl. <laughs> I love you. I love your podcast. I'm so happy we got to do this. I'm sorry. This episode is an hour long, but we had some shit to say. So here it is guys. Uh, but you yes. know, <laughs> as always, we value your time and we wouldn't have made this episode so long if we didn't think it needed to be said. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this hour with us. We love you and appreciate you. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 